Uh, one ticket for And Why Not, please. the nerds who haunted themselves and welcome to episode four of our 90s comic book movie specials um a little mini series of six episodes where we look at six different comic book movies from the 90s uh previous episodes have included the shadow dick tracy and the phantom and upcoming episodes will cover teenage mutant ninja turtles and the crow but for this episode i was joined by geek syndicates barry nugent to talk about uh the 1991 film the rocketeer um I love this film and it was great to have a chat with Barry about it and um, sort of reminisce about it and just have a general conversation around the film. Um, Yeah, so that's sort of it for this intro. So without any further ado, let's roll the trailer. To some, it was the fulfillment of a dream. To others, it was an instrument of destruction. A creation that could change the course of history. It was stolen from my factory. Where's the package? This is the FBI! What do we tell the president? Tell me exactly why this merchandise is so important to the feds. It's a rocket. A rocket? What? What's the matter? I don't know. It's something under the seat. Oh, my. What are we doing here? What are you supposed to do? Is it a bomb or something? No. I wouldn't touch that if I were you. How do I look? Like a hood ornament. Stand clear. What was that? A flying man! Big gopher. Are you trying to kill yourself? I like it. Company. You steer, I'll push. What? I want that rocket, Eddie. Not next week, not tomorrow. Now. Keep your eyes open for this dame. Jenny's in trouble. <gasps> They're working for a Nazi agent. With an army equipped with these, you could rule the world. Cliff! You touch one hair on her head, I swear out. <laughs> Shoot him! We've got the girl. The rocket will come to us. I love her, Peeve. Does she know that? She's gonna find out. Let him out! Hand over the rocket! The Rocketeer. Go get him, kid. Hello, Barry. How are you? I'm doing very well, Stuart. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well myself. Uh, apologies if I sound echoey. I've been stuffed on the house, so everything's been moved out of this room. Oh, uh, okay. Hence why I've had to reschedule this a couple of times. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like I make I plans. I just thought you were the building... stage voice. That's why you were sounding echoey. Well, I mean that too. I'm trying to learn to project. <laughs> Get my Darth Vader on. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, how's things with you? How's uh, general stuff going? Uh, yeah, everything is. Yeah, I'm good. I am. 
I'm busy. I'm uh, trying at the moment to. I've just launched a pre-order for my um, upcoming book, um, and now I've actually got to finish said upcoming book <laughs> to fill pre-order. I mean, when I say I've got to finish, the book is finished. I'm just doing sort of copy edits at the moment yeah. and and trying to prepare all of that, and then I've got to order sort of some proof copies and stuff. Um, but no, yes, yeah, so I'm sort of knee uh, deep in that really. Aside from the obviously the good old podcasting and stuff, we are about to celebrate our 15th anniversary of um, doing Geeks in the Clip. So we would have been going oh, nice. for 15 years. Nice. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. It is, given the fact that you know Dave and I are usually quite lazy at the best of times. <laughs> it's weird how the time sneaks up on you. Know, I think we started kicking nerds around about. I think it was 2013, 2014. So it's all sort of like, I mean, we don't do it on a regular basis. So it's just when we can be asked to get together. And it just yeah. started as an excuse for the two of us to get together and have a chat and tell our wives that we were doing something productive. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's pretty much Dave and I. <laughs> that tends to make for the best podcast, I find. Yeah. <laughs> just making up as we go. That's it. <laughs> but, but yeah, so anyway, for this one, we are talking about The Rocketeer. Uh, a film I believe you're familiar with. So oh, yeah. it's gonna be a short episode otherwise. <laughs> yeah. Well you never know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, The Rocketeer, uh, uh, written by Danny Wilson, Paul DeMio and William Deere, based on characters created by Dave Stevens, uh, directed by Joe Johnson, starring Billy Campbell, Jennifer Connolly, Alan Arkin, Timothy Dalton, Paul Savino, Terry Qu- uh, Terry O'Quinn. And uh, Eddie Jones, who I'm throwing in as a special mention because he was Park Kent in Lois and Clark. Yes, he was. Uh, yeah. Um, released in cinemas on the 21st of June 1991 in the US and on the 2nd of August 1991 over here. Um, grossed 46,704,000 and change worldwide on an estimated budget of 35 million, um, according to IMDb. And Roger Ebert gave it three stars out of four saying the movie lacks the wit and self-mockery irony of uh, an irony of Indiana Jones uh, and instead seems to be a throwback to the simple-minded, clean-cut sensibility of a less complicated time. That doesn't mean The Rocketeer is not entertaining, but adjustments are necessary to enjoy it, which I don't agree with. <laughs> no. But um, Roger Ebert was the uh, big film critic of the time. I'm a fan of Roger Ebert as a rule anyway. I tend to disagree with him more than I agree with him, but... <laughs> But, and I couldn't find any Barry Norman reviews for it because weirdly, unlike Roger Ebert in America, nobody is archiving Barry Norman's reviews. Oh, good old Barry Norman. I know. It's uh, frustrating. I'd look into it, but I wouldn't know where to start. We always given used to the get, name of this podcast. Yeah, we always used to get grief because my name is Barry and my brother's name is Norman. <laughs> That's all right. My kids are called Jack and Daniel. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't drink. So. <laughs> But yeah, so um, The Rocketeer, back in 1991, um, sort of, what are your first memories of seeing it? Did you see it at the cinema or? Yeah, I've been back in my brain. I'm pretty, yes, I did see it at the cinema. I actually, my first exposure to Rocketeer was the comic. Um, I remember I had, and I had a hardback edition of the comic way back when it sort of come out. Um, by Dave Stevens and absolutely loved it and one of the things I remember was the art the art was just so good on that comic um, so yeah I remember going to see it at the cinema I don't remember who I went with but 
I absolutely, first time around, I, I blew me away. I really enjoyed it. I mean, I'm a big fan. Anyone that knows me knows I'm a big fan of pulp adventure films anyway. Um, but one of the things I really loved about The Rocketeer was it was really faithful to the comic um, in a way that a lot of comic adaptations aren't. Yeah. You know, um, they made one, there was there's a couple of changes they made. One change, and I completely understood why they changed, why they made the change. Um, but another change they made, I was just gutted. And I, I don't know, have you ever read the comic? I haven't. Um, I said before, when I was talking about it with a friend, that I love the film so much, I've never been able to bring myself to read the comic. Right. Which sounds ridiculous, I know. But <laughs> sort of, uh, I yeah. just... I, I worry it won't live up to the, I mean, the version diff- that I'm familiar with. I was the same with Dick Tracy for a long time. but Yeah. And um, I do mean to get the book, but every time I go to look at it, it's been discontinued again. So it's stupid prices and then it comes back out and I miss it. Yeah. It's it's one of those weird books. That's... It's been it's been a long time since I've actually read the comic. So I can't remember because cause I think at a the time there's elements of Cliff Sequel that I didn't like in the comic. Um, whereas I really liked him, I think I liked him more in the film adaptation than the actual comic. Um, but one of the things in the comic was that originally the rocket actually was made by Doc Savage. Ah, uh-huh, cool. Um, and again, I don't know how well you know the Doc Savage character, but he had like five assistants um, who were called like the Famous Five, and two of them, two of the main ones, were called Monk and Ham. Um, and they were the ones that were kind of chasing after the chasing cliff and trying to go the rocket. Although you do see Doc Savage in it. Now, I think when they came to do the film, because they thought it's going to be too difficult to explain to an audience who Doc Savage is, a decision that I'm still gutted about, um, they replaced him with Howard Hughes. Yeah, because there was, was a Doc Savage film in development. Well, I mean, there has been off and on for years. Yeah, well, they're Sorry. supposed to be doing one with The Rock, and there was one way back in the day um, with Ron Eli, which was yeah. quite camp. Yeah, so I wonder whether there was the rights issue as well with bringing in Doc Savage. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Possibly. Yeah. But, but no, that would have been great. Doc Savage is another one I'm not massively familiar with. I've read some of the comics, but not enough to have a knowledge of. Yeah. In that way that you sort of just pick up whatever comics are around. <laughs> yeah. at certain points just so you've got one to read kind of thing I went into it sort of fresh I didn't actually want to see it at the cinema because it came out at the same time as Edward Scissorhands oh, okay. and I was a big Tim Burton's Batman fan so I was adamant I, my mum and stepdad used to take us to the cinema every summer that would be our big film treat kind of thing and they all picked that one they were like it's like Indiana Jones's adventure you'll love it and I was like no I want to watch Edward Scissorhands um, so I was adamant I wasn't going to like it I sort of stubbornly held on to not liking it and then watched it again on TV and admitted that I did absolutely love it. And ironically <laughs> saw Edward Scissorhands and was not a fan. <laughs> so, it all worked out. so in the end, I'm glad I saw The Rocketeer at the cinema, even if I didn't appreciate it at the time. <laughs> but it was a weird one, The Rocketeer, because um, they put so much money into marketing Dick Tracy the year before and it didn't really pay off. They scaled it right back. So there was very little promo stuff for The Rocketeer that I was aware of. Yeah, I I think I remember seeing a, did I see a trailer for it? I can't remember. But I think I remembered seeing the poster 
and there was a couple of posters and there was some it was one which is really arty it was kind of like art deco uh, you had one of him sort of flying up yeah 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 I picked um, up a leaflet with that on before I knew it was for a film. Back when they used to put little, they used to do little promo leaflets. Oh yeah, yeah. They put them out in the cinema, and I picked one of those up and um, kept it because I loved the artwork on it. Yeah. I think, so, didn't really know what it was until I opened it up and saw it was a film. But I vaguely yeah. remember there being, I don't know, if it was a full TV special or just part of one of those movies, games, and videos type programs where they did a segment on it on like oh, a Saturday okay. morning. Yeah, I remember that show. But beyond that, there was nothing. Because, I mean, like I say, because they got burned by Dick Trace, they scaled it back, so there were no figures or toys or tie-in yeah. sort of tat. I think there were trading cards. I don't remember there being any sticker albums. Yeah, as I said, I remember the posters and really loving the look of the posters. I was already, but because I knew about the, I knew of the comic, um, I was already... I was already locked in. Yeah, yeah. Almost like, you know, I was almost the worst person to market it to because there was no point marketing it to me. I was already going to it, <laughs> you know. Um, and it was, like I said, I, I, I just really enjoyed it. I, I, I just thought it was... What I really liked about it, actually, was even though, because they've got to put a hat on something, they kept using the Indiana Jones link. Yeah. Um, but when you actually watch it, unlike a lot of films that have tried to sort of do that whole pop adventure thing, it is very different from Indiana Jones. Well, yeah, other than him wearing a brown leather jacket, there's very little. Yeah, and you've got so, you've got you've got Nazis in it. You know? Yeah, nothing um, really makes you think Indiana Jones when you're watching it. But I guess it was the easy shorthand, wasn't it, for the yeah popular thing, but. <laughs> But it's, it certainly doesn't go on an adventure like in Indiana Jones would. It's all very much set within his small area where he lives. It's not a globe-trotting sort of thing. No, and he's a very... Um, I'm not saying that Indiana Jones isn't, because that's one of the reasons why I like I love Ray's Lost Ark, because I find Indiana Jones quite a believable... I, I, I'd probably save it for a longer podcast, but I would argue that... Indiana Jones is a hero and Raiders Lost Art. I would, you know, but um, he's he's a believable, rough and tumble character. Yeah. But I think what I love about Cliff Sequel's character in it, he's a very believable um, hero. Yeah. Um, because he gets a lot wrong. Oh yeah, definitely. He's very much the everyman that's sort of all right, a skilled everyman, but an everyman that stumbles upon something incredible. Yeah kind of character which I love lousy nickel mercer clown act good thinking Clifford you just sent us back about four years plus which Miss Mabel over here is a flying coffin you said so yourself Evie she never let us down before besides I'll go real easy on her number five pissing this shot nothing left of her but spitting bailing wire I could fly a shoebox if it had wings Pete ow what? What's the matter? I don't know. There's something under the seat. That's my duffel bag. What do you got in there? I don't know, but it's heavy. Here, Peep. Clean that table off. All right. Open her up. 
Oh, my. What do we got here? Here, take the bag. Well, that's a piece of work, isn't it? Yeah. What do you suppose it is, a bomb or something? No, too complex to be a bomb. I don't see any moving parts. I wouldn't touch that if I were you. I think Billy Campbell's great. I know he took a lot of the criticism at the time for being a bit of a bland screen presence, but I kind of think that's what you needed. Yeah, I, thought, I mean, I, I find him perfectly engaging. But. Yeah, I thought he's... So I, I kind of... I'm sure you did the same. I, I rewatched because I've got Disney Plus. So I rewatched it. Um, actually finished watching it today. Um, and I thought he was... For the character that he's supposed to be playing, he's kind of wide-eyed... Um, pilot. Um, I thought he nailed it. He nailed it for me, anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like to use a Superman thing. It's a bit like if Jimmy Olsen became a superhero. Yeah. And I mean that, you know, and as a compliment. Um, it's sort of that wide-eyed wonder of and reluctancy, almost a reluctant hero, but who embraces. It. I love it when he says, "I'm the Rocketeer," and um, Jennifer Connelly's character is like, "Who?" <laughs> yeah. he is just the expression on his face where he's like she's gonna be really ah oh, she doesn't even know <laughs> which we, we've all had that moment where you've tried to impress a girl by telling her you've done something and she's like a oh, lot yep shit <laughs> or discovered that the thing you thought impressive was impressive in your head is not yeah it <laughs> just captures that perfectly but i think what what is impressive is for me was a how well the, the film is actually put together in terms of the way the story flows and the limits of that. Um, but also, by, by and large, um, I was quite surprised by how well the effects held up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of sort of, as is going to be the thing with a 30-year-old film, back yeah. projection stuff that's not aged and doesn't potentially hold up as well in high definition. But it's like I said on the Dick Tracy episode, it's one of those films that, other than a couple of special effects, if you told me it was made last year, I'd believe it. Yeah, yeah, and this, some of this... that is some of that is the you know the time that it's set in and whatever. But I think that's the first sequence you see him use the rocket. Um, I say when he when you basically when he basically becomes the rocketeer when he goes to save Malcolm. Um, I think because there's obviously that was actually done up in the air because there's lots of bits where he's falling and he's obviously he must be like skydiving he must have like a parachute or something the stunt guy yeah um so because of it he's actually up there they did very little of the back projection stuff um and that that helped with it not feeling quite so aged so yeah. I, I was really surprised by how well I wasn't sitting there going, "Ooh, that looks rough." Ooh, ooh. <laughs> you know, it, it just didn't. And even, and I think because there was so much of the live action stuff like that, when there was back protection, it by the time I I was gonna go, "Ooh, it, I, that bit was gone." That makes sense. Yeah, and I mean stuff like that sort of adds to the pulpy feel of the film for me, anyway. Yeah, I very much enjoy that sort of stuff, and it gives it that thirties sort of feel that they're kind of going for um it's i mean it's a huge enjoyable film it moves along at a really nice pace mm. um it, it could have been easily bogged down in you know 
you get a good hour and a half before he even puts the rocket on. <laughs> Be yeah. some of those sort of films go, but it moves on really well. It's got a great cast. Um, Alan Arkin's great as PV. Yeah. Um, which it was years and well, not years, but it took me a little while to click when I was watching Gross Point Blank that that was Alan Arkin that was in. Because <laughs> it's, it's just such a different character. Yeah. <laughs> it's really weird, but um, and obviously Timothy Dalton as the villain. Oh, can just to, to pause it there. I was again. I, I don't know what number of viewing this is of me of this film. I think as well it's that thing of in the age of like youtube and stuff like that that i've probably seen pieces of this film hundreds of times yeah. but it's probably been a long time since i've actually watched it end to end um and i had once well, i had forgotten it's probably that's not true i hadn't realized just how good a villain timothy dalton was in this film yeah because he works as a an actual spy because some of some of these films are like, oh, he's a spy and really but he actually works as a spy there's a bit where he's um i think it's a bit where cliff comes to the lot and then he, he wrecks everything yeah and um you realize that timothy dalton has, has stabbed the his co-star and he's so kind of a att- oh my god oh no no i'm really sorry you you know just you stay there right get my personal physician do this do that i'll go and meet you at the hospital and blah 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 and you totally buy that everyone would be convinced that this movie star is just that. He's just a movie star and that's all he is. And then he's able to just switch from that to just be this utterly just nasty piece of work. Action! <laughs> what? Kill me as I stand? I thought you were a sporting man. True. I'd hate to stain my legend on a villain such as you. Prepare to die that we may learn the identity of the Laughing Bandit. Wait, wait. Heavens, it's a victim. None of them. Oh, my prince. Would that you drink of my lips as deeply? Excuse me, I'm, I'm looking for Jenny Blake. Jenny? Jenny Blake? <laughs> Does anyone know a Jenny Blake? God. Oh, Jesus, I hope he's okay. Well, here's Mr. Sinclair. Hey, give us a hand with his flat, will you? You okay, Mr. Sinclair? Oh, it's all right, I'm fine. Well, never let it be said Neville Sinclair failed to bring down the house. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody call the nurse. Charlie's been stabbed. Charlie! Charlie. Oh, my God, forgive me, Charlie. I had no idea. Did you think I was stealing the scene? Don't talk. Don't even move. John, uh, get my car and driver. Get him to the Queen of Angels. Gladys, you ride with him. I'll have my personal position meet you there. Yes, sir. Victor. Yes. Come here. This is supposed to be a closed set. No visitors. I want that. Jenny! Banned from the lot. Yeah, because the whole Timothy Dalton character was based on that misreporting that Errol Flynn was a spy, wasn't it? Yes. 
Yeah. Uh, was a Nazi spy, which has since been debunked. And I believe the person who wrote that in the book, I can't remember the name of the book now, but it's not worth promoting anyway. Um, yeah. Got some shit for it. Rightly so. Yeah. Um, but it's an interesting idea. As a, yeah. Like I say, even if it's not true. Um, I think he flips the two. Plus, I like Timothy Dalton, so there's a sort of part of me that's like, oh, maybe he's not a bad guy. <laughs> Because I suppose he was the biggest, um, Alan Arkin aside, but he was probably the most bankable name at the time. Yeah. Because he was still, even though it was post his Bond films, he was still James Bond at the time. Yeah. But yeah, um, and I think it shows that Timothy Dalton clearly enjoyed making it. I've read a couple of interviews with him where he was like, I loved making the film. I loved working with Joe Johnson. He was like, it was so much fun. And I was like, it really seems to come across in the performance. Yeah, he was he was proper like hamming it up villain wise. He he was he was great. Yeah, yeah, he was probably one of my one of the faves in that actually. Um, but it's just and it's and I think as well there's there were some little things in there watching it this time around. I just thought in maybe if they'd done it now they probably wouldn't have done that. I think worked really well. So it's stupid little things like when they. Um, when they end up seeing Howard Hughes, you know, when you show them that video, the video, yeah. the, the sort of newsreel of basically what Germany's going to do if they get the rocket. But before that, as they come in, they they basically bring Cliff in. They go, oh, this is all he had. And they kind of lay out all these like keys and the chewing gum and stuff on the table. And you see like Howard going through the stuff and he sees the letter. It's not a letter, it's like a note where it says Griffin Observatory 4 a.m. Um, which is obviously we as the audience we know that's where the exchange is going to take place later on so then cliff escapes and then obviously he goes to observatory and then you know we know the fbi didn't turn up but what i really like is there's no no other explanation is given to the audience no one turns around and says you know hey how did you find us oh well you left that note and you know mr hughes found it and then we which is kind of what i think might happen now that someone might go oh no the audience might not be able to follow it yeah, that's it. We need the uh, three-minute explanations. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I, I just thought, and there was there was quite a few little bits. Even the um, the chewing gum over the the hole. Um, even that setup is done really, really well. And you, to the point of you completely, I did anyway. You completely forget that there's this chewing gum over like the hole of the rocket, which is stopping it from leaking out and exploding until right at the end, when he goes to give him the rocket, and you're like, oh yeah. That's it. That's the perfect use of Chekhov's gun, isn't it? It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, I love that bit as well. I love the little joke of the um, Timothy Dalton saying, I'm really going to miss Hollywood. Sorry, and Cliff <laughs> saying, you won't. And then he does. He takes out the land bit of the sign and misses Hollywood. <laughs> that's such a nice little joke. Yeah. It's like you won't necessarily get it on your first viewing. but Yeah. There's ways to go. <laughs> also as well the other thing I liked in that last fight is the fact that Neville Sinclair is like he's kicking Cliff's ass there is no, he was not going to win that fight no no 100% because you know he's he's not he's, you know he's up against a skilled actor who's trained as a fighter who's also a Nazi spy so I imagine yeah. about also combat training that way so yeah which is what yeah, I, was... I, I liked, and he's and he's just he, you know he's a he's a young pilot. Yeah, he can throw his fists a little bit, but he's not he's not a fighter in the same way. And I think that that really came across. Yeah, I think again now it'd be very much <laughs> be a bit like the Fast and Furious thing, isn't it? Of like you know, 
I can get beaten up, but I can't go down. I have to throw the equal number of punches kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, like, you can't see your heroes bleed kind of thing or look like they're going to lose. Billy Campbell, I was listening to an interview on a podcast where he said that he'd gone in for an audition and they'd largely just overlooked him. And I think he got a call back because so they'd gone through everyone else. Right. And uh, he decided to read the comic and noticed that he sort of looked like Cliff. Yeah, he does. And um, so he did a George Lazenby and went to the hairdressers and said to give him the haircut that matched the Cliff haircut in the comic. Uh... And then went and auditioned again. Got it that way. Because um... uh, he, 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 I mean, it's scarily good. And um, Jennifer Connelly um, really looks like Jenny as well. So it is, yeah, the casting is really... It, it, to use that cliche, it really does look like the comic books come to life. That's because I think, um, again, I read somewhere, I think Dave Stevens sort of based the look of Cliff on himself. Right. I think Billy Campbell, when he met Dave Stevens, was kind of like, yeah, I see it. We kind of look alike as well. <laughs> but yeah, so that sort of got him the job. And like I say, I think Timothy Dalton, just because he was, I think he was the bankable star at the time. Mm. Weird as that is, what seems to be now, but he had the James Bond thing. Because I don't, I love Timothy Dalton, but I don't think of him as a bankable star kind of thing. Because I guess he's never had any real, other than the Bonds, massive tempo yeah. movies. He's always been the supporting player kind of thing yeah. in the films you think of when you think of Timothy Dalton films like Hot Fuzz or Flash Gordon or The Rocketeer, things like that. And tends to be Wanderer's leading man that he struggled to come up with so much. Yeah, which is weird. Don't know whether that was sort of lack of interest on his part or in being a leading man. I suppose he did the Bonds thing, which opens those doors for you but <laughs> I, I got the feeling he kind of did stuff that he was interested in rather than yeah that's true yeah yeah rather than just whatever sort of chasing the fame so much yeah but sort of the world seems to have come round to Timothy Dalton in recent years which I like good <laughs> what with Doom Patrol and that as well now yeah yeah he's still so, watched his, his amazing turn in Chuck oh yeah I watched Chuck he was <laughs> yes I didn't realise how funny Timothy Dalton was until I saw that series. <laughs> so he's having so much fun. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, Joe Johnson's directing. You can see how he got the Captain uh, Captain America gig off the back. Well, not necessarily off the back of it, but I imagine they looked at the Rocketeer when they gave him that job. I, I remember when they announced they were doing Captain America. And I was, and I was just kind of like, I rolled my eyes. Not not from the point of view of like because I was excited and they're going to mess it up. Just from the point of view, I was like Captain America, really. Um, and then they said it was going to be you know set in the during the Second World War, blah blah. But it was going to be directed by Joe Johnson, and I was like, where have I heard that name before? And then I went, look, I was like, now I'm now I'm interested. The minute it was like this is the guy who did the Rocketeer, I'm like, yep, yep, okay, this this could work now. Um, and you can see it. You can see it when you um, watch Captain America. You can see that those sort of touches from him. He just knows how to do pulp. Yeah, they've got the same sort of DNA, haven't they? And yeah. Sort of lush, timeless look within the setting, but not feeling like... Because it'd be very easy to make a film like that and sort of almost date it instantly. Yeah. I think he manages that thing that of giving it that timeless quality. So a bit like Warren Beatty did with Dick Tracy and a bit like I think works with things like The Shadow and The Phantom that don't re could be in 90s movies. Yeah. Um, yeah I think 
if you do that thing well, it sort of uh, it helps. And I think that's possibly why they've got a bit more of a resurgence in interest than they had at the time, mm-hmm. kind of thing. But but yeah, so um, like you saw it at the cinema, and then did you from there follow it up? Did it become a firm favourite, or was it once you've seen it at the cinema, kind of forgot about it, or? No, it became a because I kind of have a um, I had them all on DVD. Um, well, I think I had them on video, then I'm on DVD. I um, and now scattered four winds a little bit. I have a bit of a collection of like pulp adventure, basically anything that's pulp adventure. Um, I would I would watch and buy. Um, so I had like the Phantom, I had the Shadow, I had the Rocketeer. Obviously, I had all the Raiders. Yeah. Um, I had Sky Captain. You know, so I've so I've got them all. Um, and for me, the Rocketeer was just, it's just a great film. And yeah. it's just a really like enjoyable film about, I guess it kind of just about trying to do the right, you know, about heroism and stuff like that and how someone can become a hero. Yeah. You know, he, he kind of, he kind of inadvertently becomes a hero. You know, he's not this isn't like a captain america scenario do you know what i mean you know and even at the end of the film what i quite like as well is he's mainly to begin with he's kind of in it for himself then he's in it to sort of save malcolm then he's kind of in it to save jenny um he's never really in it to stop the nazis yeah no that sort of seems a accidental byproduct it's, of... it's just it's just by by accident he stops the nazis um come on kid hand it over so we can all go home what's it like working for a nazi eddie huh he pay you in dollars or deutschmarks what's he talking about oh yeah i got it straight from the feds eddie nazi spy ring flying commandos that works <laughs> Kids have been playing with the ass too thin. Ask him about the secret room. Ask him about the Germans on the radio. Relax, Frankenstein. You ain't bulletproof. Talk fast, Sinclair. You tell him, Eddie. Shut up! Oh, come on, Eddie. I'm paying you well. Does it matter who I work for? It matters to me. I may not make an honest buck, but I'm 100% American. And I don't work for no two-bit Nazi. Let it go. but you know but at the end of the film he's done you know the rocket's been destroyed um he gets his new plane and you know life life moves on um so so i I kind of quite i quite obviously the doors you can you can see that the door's been sort of left open for them to do more and i know there were they were planning to do a sequel it never happened um but it, i suppose that's something i quite like about it it's a very self-contained film yeah well, i mean that's sort of the question i like to ask at the end of these is uh, do you think it needed a sequel because it, it didn't perform well i'm not sure why it didn't engage with an audience at the time like I say edward scissorhands was out at the same time but even with the Tim Burton name, I can't imagine it was the big summer box office draw that something like The Rocketeer should have been. Yeah. Um, I'm just not quite sure why it didn't connect. I don't know. Pulp, Pulp, but to be fair, Pulp Adventurer 
does sometimes struggle. Yeah. I say sometimes. It, it does struggle. Um, unless you you just hit it in a particular way. For me, like, you know, if you bring out an Indiana Jones film, people are going to go and see it because it's kind of earned its rep. Yeah. So people will go and people don't even think about an Indiana Jones as being Pulp Adventure. They just think of it as an Indiana Jones film in the same way as you just think of a James Bond film. You don't even think of that yeah. as a spy film. Um, whereas when you bring out films like Sky Captain, um, that feels to an audience like you're you're marketing to a particular type of audience. Yeah. Um, which is why it was so surprising that The Mummy did so well. The Mummy's a great film. Um, yeah, I, I love The Mummy. But it was surprising that, that that did so well because it kind of came out of nowhere and it was hitting that same Indiana Jones stride, but it didn't have the the weight that Indy had behind it. It was just coming out of nowhere and it just nailed it, you know? Um, so, so in one respect, I can understand probably why it didn't do as well. But in terms of a sequel, I don't think it needed a sequel. But when I was watching it today, I thought, actually, see, you know, the little girl in it, I forgot yeah. what her name is. And she's the one at the end who sort of says Rocketeer to the rescue and she's running around and stuff. And they've got they've now got the plans for a rocket. I actually think if they wanted to, if they were, I mean, I know they are doing a sequel now and I know what, you know, the route they're taking with it. But I think had they wanted to do a sequel and kind of set it like years later, she would have been quite good, um, like a grown up version of her, because then she could have gone on to be a pilot because she she obviously lives around them all and stuff. Um, and the Rocketeer is like her hero and stuff. So, it, you know, that that would have that to me would have felt like quite a natural evolution of the story. Or you could have just done another Cliff Seacord story. Um yeah, I, again, like you, when I rewatched it, I was like, I just feel like a sequel might disappear. A bit like at the end of Dick Tracy. I was like, perfect, leave it. It's fine. Yeah, you, and you, like, I don't need another Dick Tracy movie because it's like, what are you going to do unless it's more of the same, which yeah. isn't going to work because, you know, I've seen it already. You either go incredibly different because, again, I think one of the ideas was sort of Cliff going to war. And it's kind of like, I mean, that doesn't quite sit right. You know, I mean, it worked in Captain America, I suppose. A superhero in a war setting. It's it's a fine line to walk because otherwise you're sort of like cheating in the because you know it was a real war mm. in, in which people died. So you kind of if you don't handle it right, you're sort of cheating in the sacrifice of the people that fought. But at the same time as well, it's like, do I need a war movie with a guy in a rocket pack? It's like, is there that much mileage in it? I mean, I, I think there is because the fact that so originally, and I mem- and I watched this as a kid. Originally, this came out of the era of the Republic serial films, yeah. where there was a um, one. The one that I watched as a kid was King of the Rocket Men. Yeah, which I was, remember watching that one as well. Yeah, it was something like twenty, some twenty-two part. Um, episode it used to come on bp2 at 5 30 that's right yeah i don't know if it was on i don't know if it was daily or if it was weekly i got in my head maybe it was daily i, I, I don't think i ever saw all of it i think it was one of those ones that i was in that way you did back then because you know you yeah, didn't yeah. Have a sky plus box or anything so you just <laughs> so I, 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 
I do think there would there would have been scope for more. You just had you just would have had to have approached it in the right. Angle. Yeah, I mean, I'm also looking back on it with a 30 year hindsight and being like, you know, I'm satisfied with that. Yeah. Kind of thing. yeah. Whereas at the time, I quite possibly would have been a bit more open to a sequel. Um, I don't think. I think when I look at it now, I, I mean, obviously, you know, they're doing a sequel, don't you? Yeah, the, yeah. the David Aiello one. Yeah, yeah. Maybe just um, his <laughs> And which I'm quite interested in the approach, if the a rumored approach that I heard about him being a Tuskegee Airman. Yes. Kind of thing, which I think is, and it's it's probably the way I'd go with a reboot. You either go female or you go, you know, somebody with a different background. Yeah, it kind of just you, it, I wouldn't reboot it with another Cliff C chord because I've had a Cliff C chord. I've seen that story. It just depends on how you do that story. Because if you yeah. were going to reboot it with a Cliff C chord, it couldn't be doing the same story again. No. And in the same way, if you do the, you know, Tuscan Airmen, I don't. I, I kind of want him to have the rocket, but again, for it to be done in a different way, not yeah. accidentally getting it, you know. But so it's still it's still early days, so. Well, yeah, because they were on about years ago doing one where it was a female rocketeer, which I think eventually became the Disney Junior cartoon series. Yeah. Which I've not seen any of, so I don't know whether I believe critically it was quite well received, but I think it is like a, you know. Yeah, Dr. Stuffins' version of the Rocketeer. Or... Yeah, I think it's aimed at like five to six. Yeah, years. it is. It's very much the uh, Disney Junior crowd. I don't even know yeah. if that's on Disney Plus. I don't think it is. Because I was going to. No, oh, it is. is on there, is it? Yeah, 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 it is. Um, I haven't seen it, but it's with. Because it's got Billy Campbell in it, hasn't it? As um, yeah, it's, it plays his grandson. Yeah, it's weird. I, I mean, I say weird. I mean, I've not seen it, but it's it, decision process behind it just feels weird. It does um, seem like an odd choice for, because uh, I mean, I have two small kids, so I've seen so much Disney Junior in my time, like Mickey Mouse Clubhouse and Doc McStuffins and Handy Manny yeah. and all that sort of thing. It's like to take the Rocketeer and be kind of like, yeah, we're going to do a Doc McStuffins Handy Manny type show with the Rocketeer. Yeah. Okay. Did, did you ever watch um, Tailspin back in the day? Yes. Because they, they did a Rocketeer type episode in Tailspin where he found like a jetpack. Oh, cool. Yeah. I think it was called Bullet Head Blue. I think that's what the episode was called. Um, yeah, that was cracking. It was a, that was a really good episode. But that, if you were going to do The Rocketeers, like a cartoon or something like that, that type of Disney show, I think, would have worked. Yeah. You know, but it just it just felt like a, a, an odd... I mean, it's been... Um, I think they did the first season and it's been cancelled now. Yeah. But, you know... Um, but it seemed like an odd. I watched the trailer for it and I just thought, okay, it's not aimed at me and that's not a, not a problem. But it just seemed odd given that that wasn't the target audience in the first place. I said the only thing I could think was that they were trying to sort of embed it in the minds of the next generation of audience for it. Yeah. So when they come to reboot the film, there's a built-in audience that vaguely remember watching The Rocketeer. But I don't think it was big enough to engage. Yeah. And I think unless you're going to do kind of like they did with the Dora the Explorer movie, where it's that character from the cartoon grown up. Yeah. It seems like a missed opportunity. Um, like I say, I'm curious to see what they do with it. And there are other stories with other characters that can be told. And I get the feeling with somebody like David Aiello that um, it's not the kind of thing he'd sign up for if there wasn't an interesting angle on it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not like I know the man, but just based on the films that he seems to do. Yeah, definitely. 
So I'm hoping they've got an interesting take on it. Um, I hope it works as well. Yeah, um, definitely. Well, again, not like I feel like I need more Rocketeer. If they never made any more Rocketeer, I'd be perfectly happy with what I had. I'm not a greedy man. <laughs> I, it's because I it's because I think the way they did Batman the animated series, the, yeah. the look of it, it was clearly even though there was kind of modern tech going on, it was clearly set in the 30s in my mind. Yeah. Um. That. Well, yeah, it's kind of the World's Fair, isn't it, Batman the yeah. animated series? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. that 30s idea of a future. Yeah. And I just, sort of set in a weird never time. Yeah, and I keep thinking like. Anything pulp, I keep thinking they should get the animators to do Batman the Anime Series to do that. So Indiana Jones, I keep, I've been saying for years, they should, that should be Indiana Jones Anime Series and Harrison Ford should do his voice job done. And the Rocketeer, I think, same, get the same animators to do the Rocketeer the Animated Series. <laughs> yeah. like, same for the Shadow, same for the Phantom, same for Doc Savage, job done, you know. Because they just nailed it. They, in in the same way as um, you talk about Joe Johnson, you know, the Batman the anime series stuff. Just the look of it, it's like that's how you're going to do a pulp adventure cartoon. Yeah, definitely. Did they still do that style of animation though? The Warner animated movies seem to. Yeah, they do seem be to be very by the numbers. Some of them are really nice to look at, but they feel really basic and you know, like they were done on a factory floor kind of thing. Yeah. And that's not to take anything away from them. They just, they feel a bit flat. But yeah, I know, I, I agree that sort of, it's like Dick Tracy. If you were going to do it, the logical thing to do with Dick Tracy be an animated series in the Batman, the animated series style. Yeah. Kind of thing. And yeah, I 100% agree that it worked with the Rocketeer too. What, like I say, not sure why it didn't engage. All the elements were there. Just maybe the wrong time. I think, I wonder whether sort of, People felt burnt by Dick Tracy the year before. Yeah, maybe. So weren't interested in another Disney superhero. I wonder whether like Lothar was possibly too scary for because the bit where he folds the guy in half in the hospital bed terrified me as a kid because I was yeah, eleven, twelve. Mean, scary. Yeah. <laughs> so it, that's the shit that sticks with you. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know he's when he's fighting with Cliff, it's very slapstick sort of at the end, and when yeah. he's trying to get him in the rest in the um club and all that sort of thing it's all very sort of cartoony and slapstick <laughs> just the idea that this guy killed a guy by folding him in half in a bed two guys as well you kill yes you the same way didn't you? yeah but it, i mean at the same time it's very cartoony in the all the right ways like you know the whole thing with the fbi and the mob i love the bit where if you've got the fbi guy and paul savino both firing guns and they just sort of look at each other like we should be shooting each other, shouldn't we? Yeah, they just yeah, carry yeah. on. This is like fucking Nazis. <laughs> it's, it's like I say, it's those wonderful little moments. And um, I love the relationship between Alan Arkin and Billy Campbell. Yeah. I think that's played perfectly. They got that spot on. Because I mean, that's another thing. If they've got that wrong. The whole film falls apart. Really. Yeah. I think uh, Billy Campbell and Jennifer Connelly have got great chemistry. I think they nailed all those. It's almost like they did weird test screenings where they partnered everybody up because it's even the Billy Campbell, Timothy Dalton stuff. It's played perfectly between them. Yeah. Um, I mean, Timothy Dalton's got great. This guy's pissing me off kind of acting anyway. <laughs> yeah. When he's sitting at the table waiting for her to come back, and he's just getting slowly more frustrated before he sees the note in the soup. <laughs> it's, I'd look like sad as to why it didn't catch. It's weird now, though, because like I say, there's more Rocketeer merchandise than there ever has been. 
And so I've got quite a nice little shelf going of Rocketeer bits and pieces. Yeah, one day I'd like to get a, a premium statue, which I used to do every so often, but I don't probably not as easy to come by. No, I got the diamond sort of PVC plastic one that I put a little touch light underneath, so it looks like the flames are lit up. Oh, cool. So that looks quite nice. I really want a helmet. There's somebody who was selling a custom one on eBay, so not official. But it's sort of a difficult thing to be kind of like, yeah, I just spent 50 quid on a Rocketeer helmet, love. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, really, where's that going to live? Um, <laughs> yeah. Worry about those things later. On my head. <laughs> <laughs> my thing with the resort is that, you know, that's tomorrow's problem. Yeah. <laughs> but I just love one of those in a display case. But uh, it's the kind of thing I'd want to see before I sort of parted with the money on it kind of thing, yeah. not just in photos, but. Just in case. Just in case it comes and it's just cardboard spray painted gold. Or yeah. <laughs> the score to that film is gorgeous as well. James James Horner. Uh, yeah. Looks out of the park. He was having a yeah. He just yeah. I mean he's, he's he never lets you down anyway. His main sort of the main theme for the Rocketeer I think is it's just lovely. Um, yeah. You know. Um. And if you've heard any James Horner stuff, you. He's got such a distinctive style because there's little moments in it where I think I'm listening to the Wrath of Khan soundtrack. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is. It's so good. Um, it, I was gutted. I didn't realise they released an expanded edition a few years ago. By the time I found out, it was already going for stupid money. Oh, really? I didn't realise. Yeah, because yeah, you can't get it on... Um, it's not on like, the likes of like Spotify or anything like that. No, um... I kicked myself because I could have got the soundtrack for a couple, but it was before I was sort of into soundtracks. Right. So I could have got like the basic version of the score for a couple of quid at the time, and it's just like, a, it's like ugh, orchestral music. That's boring as shit, isn't it? <laughs> before I really started appreciating film scores, and now even to just get the basic one can be anywhere between thirty and fifty quid second hand. Yeah. Um, it's weird how those sort of films that nobody cared about the soundtracks are just in hot demand now. But yeah, they did a full two disc expanded score, which I would love to own. But I'm hoping that they'll re release it again at some point because generally, if you wait long enough, things come back around. But, but yeah, so sort of we've sort of talked about potential follow-ups and that um did you sort of follow up with the comics because obviously they carried on after dave stevens or um no i think i think I've, other than like the main rocketeer which is what the, the film was based on i think i read a couple um but that was about it but there's loads out there and i think i've got them i think i've got them digitally i think i've bought yeah. them digitally but i've just never maybe i will now just never got around to actually reading them yeah somebody recommended the rocketeer and the spirit to me but yeah, so that was yeah. really good. Sort of, you know, if you love pulp things, that's definitely one to read. So I, I do need to go down that rabbit hole. I think because so, yeah. you know, a comics fan as well, so it's, <laughs> should be built in. But um, so how different was it? Like you say, there was a couple of things. Obviously, the Doc Savage thing. What was the other thing? I guess um, they... the other thing was is that Jenny um, in the comic was based on Betty Page. Ah right. It was a she was like a pinup model. So in in the comic there's definitely a bit where she's doing like a pinup, like she's kind of naked or whatever. Um 
which obviously uh, probably Disney would have frowned upon. Yeah. Um, it's like we're fine with that going you're folded half in a bed <laughs> yeah yeah uh, so there's a bit more yeah there's a, there's a bit more sort of sauciness in the with her character in the comic as opposed to the film version yeah so t- sort of scale turned that right back which i can under i see why they did that um and i think she, yeah and i think she's really good in it as well yeah i think she's great i mean i've always had a bit of a crush on jennifer connelly anyway yeah, sort of any standout bits from the film that really stuck with you or um i think probably my i mean any any bit where he was actually being the rocketeer i really loved i think the bit i always remember uh two bits i always remember really loving was the the bit where he's in the south seas club when he's kind of surrounded and yes and he flies up through the window yeah um i love that because you know it's coming um but just the music swells and stuff like that and then the whole end sequence i think is is wicked and the fact and the fact they've got to like jump onto like a there's this shot of them jumping onto like the um plane or gyrocopter i think you call it yeah. that's being flown by Howard Hughes and then they sort of fly off whilst the zeppelin's blowing up i'm like that that's that's as pulp as you can get really I love the thing when he first comes in, he accidentally kills the guy by knocking him out the other side. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just those, again, it's, I suppose those are quite Indiana Jonesy sort of yeah. accidental fighting things, but it works really well in the film. Um, yeah, sort of like if they had gone on with Billy Campbell, where would you like to have seen it go sequels wise? Would you like to have seen it go? I mean, we talked a little bit about it going to war, but it's sort of. Where where would you have taken it? I don't really know. I I kind of think with the pulp stuff, the minute you start to go past um, World War Two, you got to be really careful how you yeah. tackle it because for some reason it just doesn't work as well in the fifties. Yeah, this is kind of my thing with Indiana Jones: is the further they get away from the original trilogy time. Yeah. Period, the more I'm a little bit is this still going to feel like Indiana Jones they sort of got away with it in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull a bit for me but yeah it's, it's, I'm, I'm torn to... with the new one it's like oh more indie but set in the 60s yeah, yeah you've, you've got to tackle it in the right way and I'm just I, I'm not quite sure and I think with the Rocketeer again is another one so I probably I probably would have um, set it relatively soon after the first one yeah um and probably somehow brought Nazis back in with them because they'd still they'd, because they'd still be trying to get it. Yeah. Um. And then maybe they're forced to re. You know, I don't know. Maybe PV gets kidnapped or something, and he's forced to like build the rocket or something. Uh. You know. But I don't know. Nine sequels. The way they do sequels, they probably would have had like the Dark Rocketeer. So it would have been some. German, you know, some Nazi would have actually got it, and you've got two rocketeers and blah blah blah. That that's probably how they would have gone for it. That's not how I would have gone with it, but no. I, again, I can see the potential in that, but it, you're right. It is the uh, do that again, but more, isn't it? Kind of yeah approach that sequels tend to go for. Bigger. Yeah, I mean, I do wonder whether retrospectively, this film would have had a bigger audience had it continued as a franchise kind of thing a bit like you know dr no was a successful film but relatively yeah. small in the scheme of the bond things but they just kept going with it kind of thing but at the same time like i said before 
it's like what do you do with it that isn't going to be either so far away from what you know and love or too close to what you know and love that it's just what you've seen already it's just, i mean like i say there's plenty of comics out there so there's plenty of other stories that people have done so but but yeah 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 i i don't know like i said it's one of those things i'm always torn but it's not sort of the gatekeeper mentality but there's a little bit it's kind of like i quite like that it's just a select few of us that know and love it for what it is kind of thing yeah definitely and, and you know it's always exciting when somebody else discovers it for the first time and be like Find this really old film. <laughs> the Rocketeer is like, fucking love it. <laughs> are you out of your mind? What are you doing Will here? Will you just listen to me for You're a minute? Jealous. You found out that I was here with Neville and No, I'm said... not jealous. Listen, Jenny, Bigelow's been murdered. Murdered? You remember at the studio what I told you about the rocket we found? Well, the people that are looking for it murdered Bigelow to get to me. And now they're after you. They have your picture, the one from the TV. Jenny, prepare yourself for a shock. I'm the Rocketeer. The Rocket who? Oh, for crying out loud, haven't you read the papers? No, I've been working all day. But look, it's them, the guys with the Over snapshot. There. You gotta get out of here. I want you to get in a cab right now, go to your mom's in Redlands and stay there until you hear from me, okay? Give me one good reason why I should believe any of this. Because if anything ever happened to you, I'd go out of my mind, I swear I would. If you don't mind, I like to end these episodes with the Bernard Pivot questions from Inside the Actor Studio, or made most famous by Inside the Actor Studio. So if you're ready, I've got 10 questions to fire at you. Um, I'm not ready, but you can fire them anyway. Okay, cracking. To be fair, you don't want to be prepared for this stuff. Off the cuff's better. Um, Question one What is your favourite word? Exaggeration. What is your least favourite word? Probably and. Just quickly, reason being, because I, I I always use it a lot in my writing and it always annoys me because I always feel like I should have a better word than and. Yeah, I'm the same whenever I... It's like and, and, or, and. I say yeah. shit. Um, but um, it's not a word, but um drives me mad when I'm editing. So. It's but for me, I just keep using it as a filler when I'm talking. It's like when I'm trying <laughs> to find the next word that I want. <laughs> Uh, what turns you on sort of creatively or in life or adventure you know and whether that is Indiana, from Indiana Jones to James Bond to Mission Point it's just that kind of globetrotting adventure that's what does it for me yeah um, in any sort of shape or form be it a, a, co- a comic or a film um, and so, or even like a soundtrack you know yeah. because you can get these sweeping um, which is why I love the radio soundtrack so much because it is a you know you do go on the journey with indie through the soundtrack because it's such a good soundtrack. I mean that's a great sort of thing anyway because even just on a small scale of creating something is an adventure. Mm. It's like with the book and that you're going on an adventure with it. It may not be you know globe trotting punching Nazis, but well <laughs> anything you put out in the, i mean if you get the opportunity to punch nazis by all means do yeah go for it kid. but uh, what turns you off entitlement yeah i think there's a a kind of cancer within geekdom this, this idea of entitlement that we're, we're entitled to things we're, we're yeah. entitled to um own something we, we don't own it you know we're, we're kind of leasing it um and I think sometimes it, 
Yeah, it can be a kind of cruelness that comes with entitlement, I think, um, within geekdom, um, which is a bit sad to see. Yeah. yeah. I think that's another sort of thing that plays into these films we've been discussing. Sort of the 90s was a real golden age. As much as we're in this awesome time for comic book movies and TV, they experimented more with things like Dick Tracy, The Rocketeer, yeah. The Phantom. Because I guess there wasn't that. Well, the entitlement may have always been there, but it wasn't online for the world to see it. I, I do wonder whether you, that sort of stifled creativity a little bit. Yeah. It's that sort of sense of entitlement. Because you guarantee that there's forums now kicking off about this Rocketeer reboot. Yes. Yeah. You just know it. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I just think, you know, and I, I've had this conversation before, you know, my favourite film all time is raised lost ark yeah. and um you know harrison ford for me is you know, he is indiana jones in a way that is completely different to when people say sean connery is like james bond yeah i always turn around and go yeah but james bond is still a character from a novel you know um yeah. where there is an actual description of what the character should be and there's a, a, a kind of roadmap of how to be that character whereas indiana jones is harrison ford he created that character in terms of the performance of that character and all these little inconsistent, you know, these little idioms and stuff. Um, but if they turned around tomorrow and said, we've now cast, I know they were talking about Chris Pratt at one stage, but, you know, we've now cast, we've now cast Chris Pratt as Indiana Jones and we're going to do a new Indiana Jones film. As far as I'm concerned, I'm like, you crack on with that. I'm not saying that I wouldn't go and see it, because I still love a good pulp adventure, I'd go and see it. I might even enjoy it. But for me, he wouldn't be Indiana Jones. No, I've had but, this conversation too. For me, I, Indiana Jones is the one character that I can't imagine anyone else playing. I kind of thought when they did Solo that they were testing the waters for whether people would accept. Yeah. Somebody else, sort of like using an established character like Han Solo, that they can get away with recasting as testing the waters to whether they could get away with recasting Indiana Jones. Mm. But and I think, um, I, I, as coming back to the entitlement, I guess what I mean is if they do that, I'd be it wouldn't bother me because I've still got Indiana Jones films. Oh, yeah, I've got no time for you this. Get, oh, they ruined, I mean? that, that, they that's ruined my I mean. childhood, they yeah. ruined the original movie. It's like, did they fuck? Because it's still there, they're still there, they're not. It's like all these people that are like the Star Wars prequels or the Disney sequels ruined the original trilogy. It's like, did they fuck? Just ignore them. Yeah. It's now, like, if they're not for you, that's fine. Now, if I'm not a fan of the out, Disney sequels, so I just yeah. stop at Return of the Jedi. <laughs> now, if they were going to bring out a new Indiana Jones film, and as part of that marketing, they were going to send people to my house to like erase every copy of like yeah. Indiana Jones films I've got, that, that, then we'd have a problem. But that's not so, going to happen. <laughs> taking those back, we've digitally imposed this actor in them instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, you're right. Yeah, if they're going to digitally like put Chris Pratt in every single copy of Raised Lost Art or whatever that I've got, then we'd have a bit of a problem. But, yeah. you know, I'm fairly confident they're not going to do that. I'm okay. So yeah, I'm pretty sure it's not worth the effort for. <laughs> no, exactly. I'll, I'll quite happily sit and watch Raiders until the cast come home whilst they bring out how many new films. And I can go and see them and I can divorce myself from the two. I say that, you know, I, I probably will sit there and sort of go, that's a bit shit. But I'm not going to, I don't know, I'm, I'm not going to throw mud at someone else who actually has gone to see it and that's their first exposure to Indiana Jones and they really enjoy it because 
do you know what I mean? One, everyone's got a different path to, to well, get. Yeah, again, sort of taking it back to the Star Wars prequels, I never had an issue with people who loved the Star Wars prequels because for them, that was their Star Wars. That was their mm-hmm. first experience of Star Wars and it meant something to them in a way that it wouldn't. I mean, I personally like the prequels. So, but, um, yeah. and the same with the Disney sequels. For a certain people, that is their Star Wars and that is yeah. 100% fine. It's like, you know, awesome for them as well. They get to discover the other Star Wars stuff and decide whether they like it or not. I've got no time for gatekeeping or yeah. you know, <laughs> sitting paranoid that they're going to digitally erase things out of <laughs> existence because it's not going to happen. Love what you love and let people love what they love kind of thing. Exactly. It's just, what sound or noise do you love? A cat purring. My, uh, my cat specifically, obviously. Uh, what sound or noise do you hate? I was going to say Dave's voice. <laughs> <laughs> After 15 years, this is how he finds out. It's a lot longer than 15 years. Well, I'll yeah, I suppose, you. yeah. <laughs> uh, um, probably the sound of me going, um, um, because I hear it so often when I'm editing that it drives me to distraction to the point of I can even... I even can see it on my audacity. I can even see when I'm 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 about to say an um. I'm the same with the aforementioned butts. Because yeah. there's a but, then a pause, then another but, then another yeah. really long pause, and then the conversation starts again. All right then, the big one. Uh, what's your favourite curse word? It's probably the f bomb. Uh, I do quite like I do quite like mother though. You you can use the variations on it as well. It's... Yeah, no, no, I still I still the f bomb. I go simple. It's such a versatile word. It is. It is. When when used properly. Yeah. Definitely. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Well, I suppose technically I've been attempting the profession of writing since I was 11. So I could stick with that because that's technically not my profession. (laughs) Yeah. I did want to be, um, I did want to be an architect once upon a time. What profession would you not like to do? Anything, Anything involving swimming or creepy crawlies so i'm trying to think like a nature thing that yeah stuff like that no 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 i'm out all right and finally if heaven exists what would you like to hear god say when you arrive at the pearly gates about time so um so before we go then what have you got coming up what and uh where can people find it and where can people find you online so you've got the book that's yes up for pre-order yeah, so um, I've got my new book, which should be being released um, November 15th, which is called Trail of the Cursed Cobras. Um, after saying all this pulp adventure stuff should be in the 30s, this is a pulp adventure, but it's set in 1982. <laughs> I mean, um, that's, that's a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, he's cool. Well, yeah, yeah. It's probably about um, the same distance as where we were from the first Indiana Jones. To... This is true. Well, slightly less but um yeah so it's yeah so it's set in the 80s uh it's yeah it, I, I absolutely love it i've had a lot of fun writing this book so um yeah it's currently pre-orders are currently at the moment i'm doing like a limited edition um pre-order where you get a hardback um with a completely different cover from the paperback um you get a extra prologue which won't be in the version which will be released on um, the normal version it's just in the limited edition um, and there's a few other extras and stuff so if you head over to my website brandnugent.com you can find all the links to all of that nonsense awesome 
Um, yeah, I'll put all the links in the show notes as well. So, and then, so where can people find you online? Twitter, Facebook, the like, and obviously the podcast as well. Um, well, you can still the podcast. Uh, you can find me at geeksyndicate.co.uk. Um, you can find me on Twitter, which is at geeksyndicate. Um, you can also find me at unseen shadows as well, which is my Twitter handle for my sort of writing and stuff like that. But to be honest, if you come if you come to the Geek Syndicate one. Yeah, <laughs> um, and, and we've got we've got like a we've got a private Facebook group for Geek Syndicate. But if you knock on the door, we will let you in. Yeah, it's a it's a good page to be on. I see a lot of trailers. I didn't know where things were coming for. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and you launched your website as well, didn't you? Yes. Recently yeah. Brand, well. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the Yeah. My taken me many many years to get around to being brave enough to actually put my have my name as a uh, as a year or hell <laughs> <laughs> uh, but i thought it was i thought it was about time so uh, yeah, yeah so that you can find out all, all all you need to know about me hopefully not everything about me <laughs> most 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 of the important stuff that's that's in the premium access bit yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that'd be the patreon page <laughs> Your only fans page. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. And on that note, <laughs> cheers for doing this, man. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, no worries, mate. No worries. Have a good one. Take care. Yeah, you too, mate. I'll speak to you soon. See ya. Bye. Bye. See you around, Rocketeer. Oh. Don't ever fly her without this. You don't have to, son. You saw the look on your face. Cliff, I have something for you, too. Actually, it's for PV. Mm. Oh, no. <laughs> what was that line again? Oh, my prince. Would that you drink of my lips. Thanks. I don't mind if I do. Clifford, take a look at this here. Here, look. I bet if we increase the manifold pressure up about 25% and then switch the fuel-to-air ratio, just favoring the fuel, just a little... Hey, Ghost, you want to take a, take a look at it here? Rocketeer. Uh, I'd like to say a huge thank you again to Barry for being on the episode and talking about the movie with me. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed talking about the film. Uh, if you have any thoughts on The Rocketeer or this episode in general, please leave us some comments on the socials or the Podbean page or wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, we'd love to hear from you and we do enjoy reading them. Um, you can find all the links in the show notes for where you can find us and where you can find Barry and where you can pre-order his book and listen to Geek Syndicate and that sort of thing. Um, 
You can find the Nerds Who Haunt Themselves on Twitter and Facebook by searching Haunted Nerds. Um, we also have an Am Why Not group page on Facebook. Um, if you fancy uh, getting involved in that, uh, then uh, yeah, pop on over there and join the group. Um, that's pretty much it for this episode. Uh, thank you again for listening. This has been a Nerds Who Haunt Themselves production, and I've been Stuart Moraine. Uh, join me again next week when I'll be joined by Steve Sims to talk about the 1990. 1990- 1990 version of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Thanks for listening. Bye.